Isn't it funny how we all start off with a plan or conception of what our life and career will look like, but oftentimes we are forced, or maybe we choose, to pivot into something entirely different? Well, this is a podcast where we sit down with celebrities, athletes, and entrepreneurs to hear how they handle these unexpected events. I'm your host, Andrew East. I'm an engineer turned professional athlete turned entrepreneur, and I'm super excited to bring you these stories in order to help you move closer to your dreams, no matter what they look like. And for those of you who might be new here, we always do a weekly redirect where we talk about something that is new or unexpected in my life. And this episode's weekly redirect has to do with my family. Actually, my little brother specifically just found out that he made Purdue's football roster um, for this spring, and hopefully that parlays into the fall roster as well. And I couldn't be more proud of my little brother, Grant. Um, I couldn't help but think of myself as a high school student coming out of college. And what my biggest dream was, was to play Division One football. And now he's playing Big Ten Division One football. And, and I'm just geeking out over here. So congratulations, Grant. I love you and I'm proud of you. And in today's episode, we sit down with Brody Smith, and I've known Brody for just over two years now, and I love Brody's passion, I love Brody's perspective, and I also love Brody's priorities. And actually, in today's episode, we talk about how even though he is probably the most well-known Ultimate Frisbee player in the United States, Brody takes the greatest amount of pride in the impact he has left on the younger players who are just now embracing Ultimate Frisbee as their favorite sport and the sport that they're going to pursue. And so I really, really admire Brody. He has some great things to say, some great takeaways at the end. So stay tuned for that. And we'll just jump right in with Brody Smith. (laughs) Brody, welcome to the show, man. Super excited to have you. I've been waiting and looking forward to this interview for a while. Okay, Uh, We've known each other now for... Almost two years, over two years, I guess. Yeah, probably two and a half. And I have to say, three maybe. It takes me back every time I see you in person. How tall you are! I don't. know. You said you the get this first. That was the first meeting we had. We probably had talked maybe six months prior. Yes. And then we met in L.A. I think we met it. Was that Abrams or was that somewhere? No, is that the Assassin's Creed DNA? Yeah, test? but where? Like, what? Yeah, some some weird building downtown. And LA. That was the very first time. And I think that was the first thing you said. Is like, dang, I did not realize. How I thought you were. you were like five foot. I thought you were short. Actually, most. I mean, most people you meet in the social media realm are not normally ginormous people, right? You are. I think both four? of us are probably in the tall category. Are you six five? Six five. Yeah. What a beast! Is it? I was six four, but I think I grew a little bit more. Um, we always start off the show talking about where people are from, kind of to set the context of what their success is. Can you I have an issue with that question. Okay, let's talk about that. How? So, this is actually a pretty big debate that me and Kelsey have had multiple okay. times. When you say where are you from, is it because again, if you're born, raised, and still live in a spot, that's an easy answer. But if you were born somewhere different, raised somewhere different, and currently live somewhere different, how do you answer that? Okay. Let me, can I rephrase the question? To, to See, that's why I have an okay. issue with the where are you from. During your formative years, you gr- where did you grow up? Jacksonville, Florida. Okay. Yeah, see? But well, I was born go. in Chicago, and I live in Dallas, Texas. Wow. I did not know you were born in Chicago, yeah. actually. But I only lived there for like a year. Okay. So it's like I, I have a hard time saying that's where I'm from, but some people say – where they're born is where they're from because they still kind of live in that area. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. That makes you know? sense. So you yeah. say you're from Dallas now because that's where you live? I mean, technically, right? Because if, if you would say, where are you from? I say Jacksonville. 
They're going to be like, oh, really? And I'll be like, well, I don't live there anymore. I live in Dallas. And then it gets confusing. Here's what I know about you. You're more of a, of a, of a Cowboys fan than you are a Jaguars fan. The last two years I was. This year, not as much because Kelsey's not cheering. I was I so before I met Kelsey, I lived in Dallas maybe two to three years, and was not a Cowboys fan at all. So Kelsey was really the only reason I rooted for the Cowboys. Jaguars, huge Jaguars fan in the Keenan Mar- Cardell and Jimmy Smith era with Mark Brunell. Wow, that was that was big. Um, Tony Baselli. Okay. You know, some big names there. Uh, but as of late, man, it's tough to be a Jags fan. It's tough. To it be. is. Yeah, like this great. year I thought was our year because last year we had a really good season. We finished well, and then we started out hot. And it's the same team, so I don't know why yeah. they didn't do well. I'm not sh- Well, we had some injuries. I think Fournette being out for a couple games there kind of threw us off. Bortles, yeah. I don't know what was his deal, but yeah. So for those of you who don't know, he talked. He mentioned Kelsey. Kelsey is his fiance. Fiance, who danced for the two Cowboys. E's, apparently, didn't know that. Is that right? Yeah, I didn't know. Dude, people love on social media. People love bashing the fiance with one e. I thought it was a little accent on the e. There is for both, but apparently one e is if you're talking about the male. Oh, two e's is if you're talking about the fiance. I did not know this. So if Sean was like my fiance, it would be one e. And if you were like my fiance, it'd be two E's. Here's one thing I love about Brody, and I just told him this today. There is only, besides him, one other person in the world that I can have nonstop combos with. Who is that? And that's Sean. Oh, nice. Really? Yeah. Oh, swag. Um, But tell me about your family growing up. Wait, Kelsey wants to take a photo of us, so she's going to do that off off the side. Kelsey, we might have to get you on the show. Because she's being a bit of a creeper. Hey, don't walk in front of – are you serious oh right my, now, Kelsey? We, we're filming. My gosh. Oh, my gosh. Jeez, can just we have some – butt shot just <laughs> for the crowd. <laughs> wow. Uh, Why are you getting so I don't close? want to cross my zoom. legs like this. There's a zoo. Now I'm going to have that. <laughs> um. <laughs> okay, well, there's Kelsey – there. Well, there's Kelsey, everyone. Speaking there of the we devil, go. There she is. Jeez. Um, we'll talk about. We'll talk about her. We might have to have her on the show because she's an interesting story. Oh, as well. she. Yeah, but. she's got a crazy and and talk about someone that really, you know, got told no multiple times, and most people would just quit and be like, "I'm done." She she didn't. She powered through, and she ended up very similar. I mean, very similar to your situation in the NFL. Honestly, if you think about it. Yeah. You know, trying year after year after year, most people would just be like, I'm out. Yeah. And she kept powering through, just like you. So I feel like there's something rewarding to not getting it the first time. Oh, it's so, so much you better. Know what I'm yeah. It's not, it's not you don't want to be fed a uh, silver spoon. Right. So they say. Right. So they say. Um, you weren't. You Okay, so you were, yeah. you were raised in Jacksonville. Yeah. Went to University of Florida, best school ever. And Go what Gators. did you study there? Why did you go to Florida? It was interesting. So I never was – I grew up a Ohio State fan. Both my parents went there. We lived in Columbus for a little bit. We moved down to Jacksonville in 96, middle of third grade, which let's just be honest, bad time to change schools. Super awkward. Yeah. Um, there's probably never a good time. but Yeah, I don't think there's ever a good time. But like in the middle of third grade, it was just like you had all your boys and then you just like went to a new place in the middle of the year. Everyone's already established. But anyways – Kind of grew up in Jacksonville, Florida. Grew up an Ohio State Buckeyes fan, mainly because my parents went there, lived in Columbus a little bit. And then my sister, uh, basically her junior or senior year in high school, decided that she was going to go to the University of Florida. So that was my first kind of introduction to the school. 
Florida has a – they might still have it. I'm not sure. But they had a really good program, which is the Bright Futures Scholarship, which essentially they take money from the lottery. So the Florida mm-hmm. lottery, they pull money from that, put it into the scholarship bank, and give it out millions of dollars to students. Um, but you have to go to a Florida school. Gotcha. So um, growing up, you know, my parents got divorced uh, my freshman year in high school. So single mom didn't really have that much money it was have to find a scholarship to to go to a school so it just was one of those things where i knew i was going to have to go to somewhere in florida university of florida was probably one of the best schools to go get into and my sister was already there so it was kind of a no-brainer um and then just bounced around once i got there i didn't really know what i wanted to do i love chemistry so i went into chemical engineering i did not Uh, know that yeah went did my first organic chem class which hey any chemical engineers out there if you've taken organic chem Congrats! Wow, it's brutal. Uh, it, yeah, it's. Uh, you, did you take it being? I didn't have to take organic. I just had to take regular chemistry, which they say is way easier than oh, organic. Yeah, so I had and credit. I, I already had credit for that. I took AP Chem in high you school. Passed? Yeah, with a five, dude. Wow! Dude, my, You're shout beast. out to Miss My Talis. Miss My Talis, AP Chem. You're t- beast, bro. Dude, I took. So I knew going into college too. I knew I needed to take as many classes as possible to make college cheap. So I think I took like five or seven college classes between junior and senior in high school. So I was going in as like a sophomore pretty much, um, for college. So organic chem was out immediately. And then I was like, all right, well, what do I want to do? Basically my sophomore year, I changed my major and I went to education and then, uh, no offense to any education managers out there, but it was one of those things where I didn't want to do early elementary, like early education, early. Yeah. Early education, or maybe they call it early childhood primary. I don't know. Like basically anything before high school, you have to actually have an education degree. But to be like a math teacher or a chemistry teacher or one of those for high school, you just have to have – you just have to pass this basically these tests. Okay. If that makes sense. Um, And so I knew I wanted to do that. So I was like, well, I don't want to get an education degree and be like half – to only do this my entire life. So I was like junior year, I was freaking out because I was like, I need to graduate. I don't know what I want to do. So I went to business because that was the easiest to graduate with like in two and a half semester or two and a half years. So then I did you business. graduated in two and a half years from Florida. No, no, no. Oh, After my sophomore you. year. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I got you. I got you. Cause you have, uh, you have five years of Frisbee. Since it's a club team, this is a club uh, sport, you get five years of eligibility. Okay. So after my freshman year, I knew I was going to be in college for five years. Right. Um, So there really wasn't a rush. So I just wanted to make sure I got out with a degree in five years. So talk to your Frisbee legend. If you guys haven't, Brody's huge on social media and has a lot of things going for him. But I would say your first foyer into the public eye was Frisbee. Ultimate Frisbee. Can you talk about the trajectory of that? Yeah. I mean, I I, I. Grew up playing all sports pretty much. My parents, my mom and stepfather were both teaching professionals for tennis. So that was kind of like ingrained at us at as young age as just getting on the tennis courts and playing. Um, so I kind of had a background in everything. Wasn't really ever great enough in high school to really push myself towards something. I kind of always played something for a little bit and then switched to the next sport. And then kind of found out about Ultimate Frisbee my senior year in high school we would play it every once in a while with the cross country team because there's so much running. And then once my sister went to college at the University of Florida, she got connected with someone that was actually on the Ultimate Frisbee team. And she was like, Brody, you're going to come here. Do you want to come down and do a practice? Wow. 
So that was my first time actually introduced to like ultimate frisbee because what we were playing in high school like once a month was not ultimate frisbee. Right. Um, so once I saw that, I went home right after that trip down to Gainesville, bought a bunch of frisbees, and then that whole summer I basically taught myself how to throw a forehand and a backhand. Wow. So we only knew how to throw it basically like this side. So like a backhand in tennis, that was the only way anyone knew how to throw. And these guys were throwing on the other side of their body which I was like, I never knew that was possible. So I taught myself how to throw a forehand that summer before I went to University of Florida and tried out for the team. And then tried out my freshman year. We won a national championship my freshman year. And we had, we had 18 guys, which is really, really weird because most teams, you, it's seven on seven. So most teams have seven starters for offense, seven starters for defense. So that's 14 dudes. And then most teams have like 10 to 15 like other dudes. So teams have anywhere from like 25 to like 30 people on their team. And we were rocking 18 at nationals. So we had like three guys that played every point. Wow. And I was lucky enough to be on the starting offense. So I kind of got to have a lot of experience at a high level my freshman year. And just absolutely after that year, just fell in love with it and was like, this is the sport for me. I got to keep playing this. I didn't know there was offense and defensive. Uh, I viewed it more as like soccer, where it's flexible, always moving. So you have to. So that's the thing is, if you are, you have you have to be an elite player. You have to be able to do both. Okay. You can't just be a super good offensive player and an awful defensive player because it is like soccer, where the frisbee can be turned over, and all of a sudden you're on defense when you were on offense. But. There are te- there are teams that special or there are players that specialize in one versus the other. So you might have someone similar in football. You might have someone that's really really fast, really quick, good at cutting, but might not have the best throws. Okay. So instead of putting that person on offense, you put them on defense and have them just guard someone. Right. So yeah, that makes sense. Do you feel like I did, I'd never heard of ultimate frisbee until I went to college? Is that is that kind of the demographic, like college age kids? Because I know there's a professional league, mm-hmm. but I feel like in college, you know, frisbee was so popular. Mm-hmm. Talk like talk about the 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 demographic of people that watch it. How big is the the viewing of it? It's a it's it's been a weird kind of trend of trending up and trending down over the last couple of years. I would say one one of those reasons is because a lot of organizations in ultimate Frisbee aren't willing to all get behind each other essentially and push. Right. Right. Um, if you look at other sports, there's really like that one league or that one thing that really pushes the sport. And then everything else kind of grows off of that. So you have like the NFL, for example, like if the NFL didn't exist in the United States, you probably wouldn't have as many flag football leagues. You wouldn't probably have as many peewee football leagues. Like the NFL is the thing that drives all these other creations of people playing the sport. And right now, I think in ultimate Frisbee, the last couple of years, we've had multiple organizations trying to take that spot and the other ones not really supporting one another. Mm. And the problem with that is we're not that big of a sport. So if you have people already in the sport not really supporting one another, it's it's only going to kind of deteriorate and, and, and worsen the sport in the sense of exposure. So that's difficult. Uh, there, There's also a huge split in people with the spirit of the game, which is a very unique thing to Ultimate Frisbee, where every other sport for the most part calls it sportsmanship. 
Ultimate Frisbee has a unique term for it called spirit of the game. And you have some people that are super high on that fence. And you have some people that are like, no, I'm all for sportsmanship, but we don't need to make it something different than every other sport. And that's a huge divide because the spirit of the game people really want to play without referees. The way that the game was initially designed was everyone calls their own calls because of spirit of the game. No one's going to cheat. No one's going to lie. No one's going to not play by the rules. But for everyone that's played a competitive, high-level stakes sport, we all know you might not be cheating on purpose – but it's very difficult when you're at that level and intensity to be able to start calling the game yourself. Right. So that's like kind of a big divide. And Spear of the Game doesn't really translate that well to youth. Right? Like if you're going to sign your kid up for a sport, trying to convince you to have your son or daughter play a sport where there's no referees, there's no like Interesting. any sort of like – yeah. establishment of the game being played properly it's tough mm-hmm. you know did i break this no no is, is it good is my head just that big <laughs> you can pull it down no i think it's there i think it's all right there okay. what do you so, love yeah, what do you love so much about frisbee because it, it i'll be honest with you yeah the first time i talked to you mm-hmm. again i don't know much about frisbee other than like the stuff that you've spoken about you've talked to me about you were telling me you were training at Michael Johnson Performance, yeah. which is a huge NFL combine, like super elite athlete. Mm-hmm. And in the back of my mind, I was like, I mean, we're talking about ultimate Frisbee. Mm-hmm. You're training at this. Not you're an elite athlete. Don't get me wrong. No, but I, I see what you you're know what I'm saying. Like, it's, it's just the it's, like, it's same thing. Like if someone was, you know, came up to me and was like, I'm a professional cornhole player. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. And they started talking about their training regimen. I'd be like, dude, you play cornhole. Right. Exactly. <laughs> like, exactly. What? But I think for for every sport, really, if you want to take it to the next level, you have to train yeah. like other sports train. Right. And and that's something that I really try to do in Ultimate Frisbee in the college um, was you had a lot of people for my entire college career that were the typical kind of like cross-country build where very lean, very thin, springy, fast type of players – you never really had a big, muscular, strong person. And my se- my fifth year in college, I started hitting the gym really, really hard. And I think I went from like 195 to like 215. Wow. Um, and just all muscle. And I remember just how much of an impact and how much of an advantage that was having that extra weight and extra strength. Because uh, there's a lot of jump balls, 50-50s, where the Frisbee's flying in the air and two people are vying for it. Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm 195 and you're 185, we're kind of equally battling. But now you're 185 and I'm 215, all muscle. I'm able to easily shed you off and do what I want. Right. So that was a huge thing. And, and I don't know if you know other people are starting to train that way. I know Florida, we were probably the first team to really start hitting track workouts as a team. Um, my freshman year, we were doing like two track workouts, uh, with weights as well in the gym. And I think now pretty much any elite college team, club team, any, any team you look at, they're doing track workouts as well, Right. where that wasn't a thing prior to my freshman year in college. People weren't doing that. Dude, it's so cool to be in a sport where you have the ability to shape it and mold it like you do. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I was a part of this new startup football league. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and the reason I wanted to be a part of it was because it's so new that you can have influence. Like, like you shaped the game by, by your training regimen and, and your size and your build and all mm-hmm. the things you brought to the sport. So that's so exciting. No, it's, I mean, it's, it's awesome. And it, and the, the most rewarding thing is just having kids and players. Right. And I mean, one of the best players right now in the pro league started playing and learned how to throw from my videos. That's crazy. So that's, that's the coolest thing is yeah. when you have people coming up to you and saying like, you know, I'm getting older now, so now it's older and older people. It used to be like 13, 14-year-olds telling you, but now it's like 20-year-olds coming up and saying, like, I used to watch your videos way back in the day. And that's the coolest thing is like yeah. being able to just grow the sport and and essentially just giving people another opportunity, another chance to find a sport that they truly love. Because I think that's what's that that's something that's so, much, so important is yeah. if you're going to put time, effort, money into something, you better love doing it. Um, versus chasing it for the wrong reasons. When did social media start playing a role? That was right around, I feel like, 2012. So after you graduated Florida. After I graduated from Florida, I was was actually teaching at the time, and um, it was late one night just kind of watching YouTube videos of Ultimate Frisbee and just wanted to see what was out there. And you had two basically types of Ultimate Frisbee videos as far as like tutorials went. You had one where the person either had no idea what they were talking about and was giving like terrible information, or you had a, someone that just wasn't the type of look, if that makes sense. To get that, views? Not necessarily to get views, but to like get maybe some like respect, you know? Because okay. Ultimate Frisbee, when I first started playing, was a very hippie, oh, you're a hippie, you're a pot smoker, or where's your dog? You know, a lot of people thought it was the sport that you, you know, dog Frisbee, basically throwing a Frisbee to a dog. It didn't really have a lot of respect or people thinking it was a sport or even knowing what it was. And so seeing people, you know, that just gave off the wrong vibe for someone just clicking on a video and watching it. I, that was my first thing to be like, I want to start making tutorial videos to give people, uh, a proper, instructional video on how to actually throw because everything's more enjoyable when you know how to do it. Right. Right. So if you go out and try to throw a Frisbee and you're, you don't have the proper tools to do it, you might not ever throw it again. So I want to give people the proper tools to actually go out and have fun throwing the Frisbee. And then I also just wanted to give a different look, you know, we, you know, a six foot five dude that loves sports. Yeah. That's maybe a little bit on the bro side and not so much like hippie laid back. Right. But I feel like having that different kind of vibe really opened the sport up to a lot more kids getting into it than what it was previous. Wow, and you started doing tutorial videos. Wait, so so help me understand this. You go through college and you you dominate frisbee. And then you graduate. Uh, yeah, I you, mean, there was a couple years that a couple games I would love to have back, but of course for yeah. for all athletes. Yeah. You graduate and you start teaching. Are you also playing in the pro leagues? So the pro leagues didn't start. I want to say the first pro season was like 2013. So you started making videos before the pros. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. This was when I was still. So for those that don't know, basically you had, you had, back in the day, there was college and club. If you're really, really good in college, you would play on club teams as well. But for the most part, most club teams were the best players leaving college would jump and join a club. Okay. So it was like club was like the pros, but you didn't make any money. Right. Right. But then there was actually some that created a pro league 
semi-professional. No one's making a full living, which is technically a professional. Right. Um, what a professional would be, but semi-pro league. And so now that kind of competed head to head against this club. Cause then there were some people that were like, oh, I want to play in the semi-pro, but I won't play club. Gotcha. Still, you could do both and you could all do all three. Really? Yeah. If you were good enough, you could play college club and in the semi-pros. Um, but that was kind of like the, the, the places you could play Frisbee. You started making the videos and, and at what point did it become a thing where you were essentially a professional at that? So, so this was way back in the day before you and Sean had your YouTube channel. So YouTube was completely different back in the day. YouTube would actually send you an email and said, Hey, we really like this video. Can we put ads on it? No way for a specific video. Yeah. Wow. So when I made my first trick shot video, uh, they sent me, um, they sent me an email asking to put ads on that. And then shortly after, maybe three or four months after that video went up, State Farm reached out to me and said, hey, we want to use your video in a commercial. Can we do that? And I was like, I already filmed it. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, you're going to pay me for something I've already filmed? Yeah. Heck yeah. So I think around that time was when I was like, hey, this is potentially something that I maybe could do. But YouTube was so small back then. like There really wasn't that many people making a living from it and doing it like full time. That I was like, oh, I'm 100% going to make this work. It was always like in the back of my head, like, I'm going to give this my best effort, but I don't know what's going to happen. Right. Um, so I ended up moving back at home uh, with my mom back in Jacksonville and living there while I was making more videos to kind of cut my costs because I really wasn't making that much money to pay bills and stuff. Um, and I And I was just grinding for like, man, first like maybe a year and a half, two years. And then, you know, just kept going with it. And, and I, my channel's never been like one of these where it's like, woo, you know, where all of a sudden I just gained 200,000 subscribers and then I'm off. It's always been kind of like yeah, a slow grind. And so, which I think is better because you really appreciate how hard it is and how much time and effort you've put into it. Yeah. I feel like for some people, if they just make a video, you know, they make 10 videos in their 10th video, they all of a sudden they get a million subscribers. They don't really appreciate as much of like the people that have been grinding for years. Yeah. You know? And I also feel like when you grow slower, like there's, you notice the same people commenting mm -hmm. and, re and replying to you and like engaging with your videos. And there's like this, Sean and I are, huge on the actual community aspect of it. So like yeah. getting to know our viewers. And I feel like if you go from, you know, zero to a million, you just lose that aspect of it where it's yeah. just like, you and, know. and it almost becomes like a, not a chore, but like almost just like, Oh, I should respond to comments instead of like wanting to read the comments and see what people are right. saying and, and, and engage on it. And I know like with my golf channel now, it's so cool to go to a different city and have someone be like, Hey, uh, come out and golf with me like that. I love, I love that stuff. Same with Frisbee. A lot of stuff was, especially when I was still playing and very active, I would go and do clinics all over the world from people that saw my YouTube videos. And that was so cool. Cause then you actually are meeting people and seeing people firsthand and helping them in the same sport that you love. Yeah. What do you feel like has contributed to your success on social media? My success on social media. Uh, I mean, I think I think to initially start, I was really the 
first person, I would say, or like at least the first person to get somewhat popular in a specific niche, hmm. right? And so I think when you're first to the table, you have a pretty super advantage. Um, and then I would say that I was super into working and doing stuff with other talented people. That's been something that I've super enjoyed over my career was always filming or you know, collaborating with other people that might be doing a different sport or might be doing a different interest hobby, but are super talented in that. I love witnessing that and seeing that firsthand. And I think that just kind of helped my audience grow by working with other people that are also passionate about maybe something that wasn't mainstream. Yeah. You know, what's cool to me about you, um, is that even though I think social media could be the all consuming thing for you. And maybe it was at one point Mm -hmm. you've always been, you've always put more emphasis on other things like your Frisbee career or your golf or like even personal life where Mm -hmm. you look at some of these guys on social media now and it's all about social media and it trumps their life. You know what I'm saying? For you, it's always been like, you've, you've not been all in on social media. It's, Hey, I'm using this as, a tool to teach mm-hmm. frisbee or teach golf, whatever it is. You're also a phenomenal teacher, which is cool because obviously you did that for a little bit, but yep. it really shows through in whether you're teaching like a board game, which mm-hmm. I just told you the other day, like you really are a good teacher Swag. or like, <laughs> <laughs> or, uh, or, you know, some frisbee. Yeah. It, it like really shows through. You do a great job. Yeah. I think, I think balance in, in all aspects of life are good and especially in work. And I know, you know, if you, if you look at, social media as a job. Yes, it is a job, but it's, it's, it's different than other jobs. It's different than going to a nine to five job where you're sitting at a desk and maybe you're trying to grind as hard as you possibly can to get the next promotion. Social media is one of those things where you're basically share showing your life or sharing your life or whatever. And if you, if you take it a little bit too seriously and you're really, really after the likes or you're really, really after the comments or really after more followers, more subscribers that can actually lead you to do stuff different than what you initially were trying to do. I, I, I personally feel that most people jump into social media, or at least I hope most people jump into social media because they have a passion that they want to share. And it's very easy to have, other things basically be more important than your passion. Yeah. And when I think you let that take over, then all of a sudden you lose sight of what you were doing in the first place. And, and that's a dangerous road because, you know, back in the day, I mean, I, there was moments too where I would upload a video and I'd be like, this video is sick. Yeah. And I'd be super stoked about it. And maybe it didn't perform that well. And I would take it out on myself when in fact it's just like, dude, sometimes it goes and sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. At the end of the day, if you make something that you really, really enjoyed, and also you got to think about it. Like it was silly. Like I would post a video and it would get 600,000 views and maybe 10,000 likes and like 200 dislikes, which if you really think about it from like an outside perspective, like that's insane. Yeah. Like so many people watched it. A lot of people enjoyed it. Like you brought joy to a lot of people. Like, that should be a positive thing. And if you're taking negativity only from that, then that's, you know, that's going to destroy you in the long run. So hundred percent, that was one thing I had to balance. Yeah. I think you're, I think you're spot on with that. And, um, that's something, I mean, I feel like Sean and I have gotten the most value out of social media again from the community aspect, but also 
we we did like the trendy topics just to try to get the views and the subscribers and stuff. And it's, there's no like fulfillment or satisfaction in it. Like like there's nothing. You're just doing it because you're trying to like catch on to something. There's so much. It's so much more fun when like we're going. We're doing a relationship series and people are like really really mm-hmm. feeling it because. Mm-hmm. They think Sean and I's uh, relationship is interesting, so we're like, "Hey, you, you know, let's share it." And I think at some point it'll teach somebody something. So I'm right there with you on that. Yeah. Um, your social media looks different now than it did a couple years ago because mm-hmm. you're really focused on golf now. Yeah. Can you tell us about that transition? Yeah, I mean, it's it's been as far as like job goes, it's been a tough transition. You know, you have a lot of people that follow you because of Frisbee, right? Um, whether they played it when they first followed you or you actually got them into Frisbee. It, it's a tough transition switching over to golf, but it's one of those things where I got to a point in my career where, again, it, it, it wasn't about making YouTube videos. It wasn't about making viral content. It, it really, the first thing that was most important was my ultimate Frisbee career mm-hmm. training and trying to win national championships. Right. And then from that, it was like, yeah, I can make fun videos of me throwing a Frisbee really well. But that was the that was the driving force behind everything. And then as soon as you know these knee surgeries happened and this started getting slipping and slipping away because I couldn't compete, now it only became making videos and stuff. Right. And I didn't really have the drive anymore because I this is this is the driving force. And that was the one thing that was kind of missing in my life. And as of right now, I'm not saying, you know, five years from now or three years from now, who knows, but right now I cannot play ultimate Frisbee at a competitive level that I'm proud of. Right. And I had to basically come to the realization of that's not going to happen. And a bunch of stuff started happening in the golf world. And I love golf from a young age. I, I played it growing up, you know, when I was 10 or 11 or so, my stepfather was the one that kind of got me into it. And I, I loved it and was able to just pick up on it very naturally. And it was always a sport that in my back of my head, I always wanted to like one day just give it a go and see how good good I could get. And it was one of those things is, you know, thinking about it for like a week, I was like, I think this is the perfect time. And so I was just like, all right, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to make the switch. That's awesome. And so I'm not like, you know, never making ultimate Frisbee videos or Frisbee videos anymore. But it's one of those things was when – my driving force now is trying to get as good as possible with golf. It's so much easier for me to make golf videos than where Frisbee is over here to make Frisbee videos. Yeah. If that makes sense. And it's not like my love for the game is gone in Frisbee. Right. If I, if you could snap my fingers and I could have my knees back tomorrow, I would be out there crushing it. You better believe that. <laughs> How many years were you in the pro league? Uh, I played in the very first year and then I was like, on, I think I played like three years straight and then uh, it was either my second or third year in the pro league. I had my first knee injury, and then after that, it was like I played some games. I didn't play some games. So maybe like four years, three years, five years, two full seasons though for sure. Another thing I really respect about you, not to give you too many compliments in in one conversation, <laughs> you can always cut out the compliments. I there was a time where you were going to a lot of colleges and schools and doing these clinics that you had talked about. Yeah. I just think it's so great that you were such a good ambassador to the sport. Like you, again, you changed it. Which is funny because a lot of people think I'm not a good ambassador. To the Why? Sport. Really? Yeah. What do they base that off? Well, because of? the way I view the sport's different than their view, right? So, so it's like if you were going out and you were teaching people a different 
type of football than what they wanted you to be teaching. Because you're not one of these spirit of the game. Is that yeah, what I'm not. Uh, I'm I'm super into refs. I mean, I I love <laughs> I, I love the ability of going out and playing as hard as I possibly can and not having to worry about making calls, making calls, yeah. or the other team making calls. I mean, essentially having three impartial refs on a field, I think, is way better than having 14 refs of where seven of them I don't know where they're at or what they're trying to do. Um, and then I think also that the whole bro side of it of where, you know, I think my high energy, loud voice, you know, confidence at times maybe rubs people the wrong way when in fact it's just the passion that I have for the sport. And I, I want to try to get people as, as good as they possibly can in the sport. And especially on certain teams, just the way we played also my college career, the way I played and the way we kind of ran our team was just completely different. We focused heavily on our best players and we focused, um, and the focus on the not top players was do the best you can, but don't mess up. And it was really just focusing on the top players because I mean, it worked. Let's be honest. It worked. It didn't. It wasn't like we were we were trying something and it wasn't working. Right. Um, but in the college game, especially if you had three really really good players, keep the frisbee between those three really really good players and don't let the other four players that aren't that great touch the frisbee as much. You're going to have a higher chance of throwing and catching. I mean, it's just. I mean, it's the same thing. You look at NFL. The top receivers gets the most targets. Why? Because they're good. They're good. They're probably they're probably going to get open more, and they're probably going to catch the ball right. a lot more often. I mean, basketball, place. the best yeah. shooters shoot the most. Right. And a lot of people in the Frisbee world have this idea that everyone's good, and it goes back to that kind of spirit of the game. Everyone can throw. We can all run. We yeah. can all jump. And you're, like, standing next to, like, Tommy, and you're, like, looking at Tommy and you're like, uh, Tommy can jump 12 inches. I don't, I don't think we can all jump. Nah. Some people can jump higher than others. Um, and so I think that just rubbed people the wrong way. I got you. And so there's some people out there, you know, that aren't a big fan of me in the ultimate world. But, you know, hey, it is what it is. I think it would be hard to argue that you haven't made a – wild impact on the sport in a positive way are you ready for some fan questions dude we have a ton do you see all these that's a lot of interest a lot of a lot of fan questions guys a lot of fan questions this is a good one to start with I okay think. so tay ben 28 wants okay. to know if you're single i am not okay is that a person is that, that a guy or girl i think it's a girl i think okay. it's taylor uh taylor i am not i have a fiance her name is kelsey and we're getting married in march is she the reason you moved to dallas no i was there before her so for mjp yeah, I moved. Gotcha. I moved down to Dallas for frisbee, um, and kind of just stuck around, honestly, because I didn't really have anywhere else to go. Wow. Yeah. Um, Jackie B. Myers wants to know: Are y'all gonna do another video together with Sean and Kelsey and Andrew? We need to. I don't know if we can. We have time on this. trip. I don't trip. think this trip is is the move. Yeah, I don't think we have time. There's We're, too many uh, too many moving parts this trip. As uh, a little three year old moving. Parts. Yeah, but I think I think we could definitely come up with some good videos. Honestly, we need to do like I feel like we need to do like a physical challenge, not like I sumo agree. wrestling challenge. But, but we could be sumo wrestling challenge. Yeah, like in like in those Maybe huge tap suits, each other. you know. <laughs> But That'd I think like something physical, yeah. Other than you know, I mean, chapstick and baby food was great, but I think we're more meant to being up and doing something. Dude, I never told you this, and I owe you a thank you because 
you featured me in the video you do with Sean for like four seconds. I was in it. The snap, I snapped the ball and hit a frisbee. Do you remember? That? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It was with, when I was with the Rams. I literally that was what I said. Uh, I said something to Kelsey about that one. Your first snap, I was like, dang, that's pinpoint accuracy like you hit the frisbee <laughs> what's crazy is that that cameo that i made in that video has given me so much credibility in the nfl locker room people love you in, in the nfl oh I mean, really yes yeah it's cool so thank you oh i got you bro um corinne uh corinne selena wants to know if you and kelsey would be doing any more vlogs she loved them yeah so kelsey for you guys that don't know uh she me and her used to have a channel together that now is my golf channel um, so I post all golf stuff basically on there and Kelsey just started up her new channel, which she will be posting travel vlogs and occasionally I, she does some vlogs here and there. She's doing a lot of stuff around the wedding, getting ready and stuff for that. Yeah. So I'll be in those vlogs. I'm sure in the future. I think, yeah, the wedding vlogs people love to see. Yeah. So definitely do that. Owen Faulkner wants to know. Uh, oh, Owen. I know Owen. You do? Yeah. He says, get your butt on Twitch. Yeah. Twitch guy. How long you did? Are you still doing it, or what's, what's the Here, here's so here's the Twitch thing for the, I'm sure a bunch of your viewers probably know about Twitch because I mean it's just massive. Yeah. The problem with Twitch is you have to be consistent, and the consistency requires a lot of time. Oh man. So you have to put in I would say probably 15 hours a week, maybe 20. 15 might not even be enough, and so essentially I would be having to take 20 hours away from either. Making golf videos, mm. practicing golf, or taking 20 hours away from me and Kelsey time. And I just – I can't do it anymore. Can't yeah. do it. I used to do it a whole lot right when I got injured in Frisbee basically and I wasn't training for Frisbee and, I, and golf wasn't in the, the picture. So I had a lot of free time. Yeah, Don't really have that now. I almost started a Twitch account myself. It's get, I love it. I think it's amazing because right. the community on Twitch is, is unlike any other. But it's just I still have the time. Yeah, yeah. This is a this is a good one. Oh, deep. Okay. Heather D D ninety three wants to know if peanut butter wasn't called peanut butter, what would it be called? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Slimy chew. Slimy chew. I I don't know what a peanut. I mean, I didn't want to like bread. Oh, you're going to use peanut? Are you allowed oh, to use no, peanut? You're right. maybe, See, maybe I was trying can. to just come up with something without both words. That's tough. Yeah. I've never heard that question. That's a great question, though. Yeah. Like having to name something. That, that's I'm going to use that. Okay, Meg, last one. Mega Jim Fit wants to know, what's your favorite Frisbee throw? She likes a good scuba or, or she likes a good scuba over his own defense. Ooh, a little scoob action. I don't know what a scuba a is, bro. Scoob, so scoob? I have no maybe idea. that maybe that could be our videos teaching <laughs> me teaching you and Sean how to throw a frisbee. People would love this. I would that. love to learn what a scuba is. Yeah. A scuba is a upside down throw. Um that's really good against zones because you're essentially in football terms throwing it in between the linebackers and the safety. So you're getting it over the linebackers, but it drops fast enough that the safeties don't have time to come up and get it. Wow. But my favorite throw is the hammer, which is simply is like if you know it's like Thor, you're like coming over the top, dropping the hammer. Dang. And that is essentially deadly uh, because you can throw that far. You can I can throw it roughly around 55, 60 yards, so almost the full length of the field, and it comes in super hot. So it's essentially it's the closest thing to throwing a football. Wow. So Frisbee, you throw it, it hangs in the air for a while, gives a lot of time for people around to make moves. 
hammer, someone runs deep, runs a post, and you launch it, and it gets to them in like two seconds. That's sweet. Man. Yeah. So the hammer's dirty. Um, yeah, I, I would love to learn some frisbee throws. We could do it, dude. I'm, I'm pretty. I'm I mean, Sean's got a little bit of advantage because she had a, a small lesson. You had uh, her. However, it was on a trampoline, so it's a little <laughs> bit different true. trying to throw a frisbee on a trampoline. That's true, man. Um, okay, a couple one one more question before we close out. Yeah, uh, you did so much traveling in 2018. You and Kelsey were able to yeah see most of the world or most parts of the world. We saw a lot of it. Yeah, more to come in 2019 for sure. Coolest as far as like location wise, like just coolest place, yeah. like going there by myself or with who where whoever. Maldives was definitely like the coolest place. But like favorite like trip was probably me and Kelsey's trip to Cabo because I feel like that was one of those trips that we spent a lot of time together and had like a lot of deep conversations. We did a lot of hiking and walks on the beach. I feel like that was a big step in our relationship getting closer together. That's great. If that is fair to give two answers. That's cool. Um, Salt Lake City was third. Speaking of Kelsey, they got engaged in Park City, essentially. Essentially, yeah. Which is where we are now. Yeah. And uh, the I teared up watching that engagement video. Freaking it was it was shot me. and edited really well. Oh, my god. And the gosh. music is a killer. The music's a killer. I teared up. I literally had a, just one solo tear. Yeah. So go watch it if you don't. And check, check Brody out on YouTube, Instagram, all of it. It's Brody Smith 21 across the board. For the most part, yeah. Yeah. That'll at le- least lead you to the right direction. Um, I view you as a really wise, knowledgeable guy. Do you have any book recommendations or films that you've seen that have impacted you or felt like you would Ooh. recommend? Man, I'm really see like the the movie stuff. I'm really not. I mean, I think I think any of the super kind of documentary sports stuff of just showing perseverance and stuff, fighting through, kind of gives you perspective of like you're not that bad off yourself, and mm-hmm. this person that's in a much worse position than you are. Um, I don't know if Blind Sign's a good one or not, but um, like those type of movies where you can see like, hey, if this person did it. I think those movies you leave the theater being like, dude, I'm gonna hit my workout super hard tomorrow. Yeah. Um, books, I'm not, dude. I'm not really big into the reading of the books, honestly. <laughs> the reading uh, of the books. The reading of the books. I know, like, I read uh, Bob Goff. Are you familiar with him? Love does. Love does. Fantastic, that's. Yeah. I think that's a. As far as like relationship goes, I think that's a really good one to kind of get people. Kind of like what we were talking about earlier about people not really searching for the right, looking for the right thing, yeah. and you know, saying like, what's wrong? Why can't I find a good person? I think that book kind of puts it what love really is yeah. in a good, what you should be looking for. Um, but yeah, I, I'd say read that. I'm, I'm starting this new tiger book. So I'll let you know thoughts on that. You're a big tiger guy. Yeah. Big tiger guy. Um, Me too. so I'm, I'm curious as to, as to how that plays out. Yeah. Um, but I mean, as far as like, I mean, obviously the off, off the, course stuff that he did was one thing but you know i think you can take a lot of lessons for his dedication and stuff on the course yeah. and, and use that into you stuff in your life that's that's maybe the second video that gives me the most chills well i mean i'm not gonna say your your engagement video is beautiful it's probably not the most <laughs> emotional for me but that video that nike made i think after that whole tiger wood stuff made came out and it's just his face with his dad talking in the background mm-hmm. oh dude that killed me yeah one thing I know that's big in your life, and I feel like you live out better than 
better than most anyone I know is your faith. Mm-hmm. You take that very seriously. Why is that important to you? And, and why is it important to you that you share that in whatever sense that you do? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think first and foremost, like that's what we're called to do is to share our faith. And so I think you can't be afraid of doing that. I yeah. know social media is one of those weird yeah. places where to be honest, like it's, it's not, it's not the best advice to give to someone if they wanted to grow their channel was to be share the gospel. Right, right. Uh, cause you're going to have a lot of people that, that it rubs the wrong way. But if you look at it as you sharing the gospel or showing that you're going to church or, or sharing a passage that really meant a lot to you, that might make someone that might be on the fence, check it out. Or that might make someone that for whatever reason, never was in a position to even know about God or be introduced to God be curious to go to church or to yeah. open the Bible. So I think if you look at it that way, then I think it's totally worth the risk of posting something and maybe losing some followers or whatnot. Um, but yeah, I think faith is huge. Uh, not for only me, but for a lot of the people that I'm closest to, because yeah. it is the number one thing that can change your life. Like if you're looking, if you're sad, depressed, if you're in a bad spot in your life, losing weight, getting in shape, finding a relationship, like all those things are not going to fill that void that you really have in finding uh, a faith. That is the easiest way to boom, make a 180 yeah. on your life. And I think that's what happened to me back in college when I really got serious about it and did it. And you just start noticing a lot of things changing your life for the better. And it's like, why the heck would you ever go back? Yeah, that's great. And you actually met Kelsey at church. I met Kelsey at church. A lot of people ask yeah. like, Hey, how do I find someone? It's like, there's no better way of meeting Seriously. someone than like s- the most important thing at your life. If someone else is, if that's their most important thing as well. Boom. Yeah. It's great. It's tough. Yeah. S- one book that I would recommend you read. Oh, speaking of relationships, please. the meaning of marriage by Timothy Keller. Okay. I've heard of him. The most impact. Yeah. He's a well-known, uh, preacher, pastor, yeah. man. If you're single, dating, married, or like whatever phase you are in Mm -hmm. with relationships, dude, that book had, that might be the the most, the book that I most recommend. Really? So yeah, check it out for sure. I'll I'll, I'll give you the the link to it. Interesting thing, just kind of going off of that is when you have a strong faith, you have a pretty much the most important relationship with Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. So if you have that already it kind of makes it easy to have a good relationship with someone else you love. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. It's an interesting thing to think about. Yeah. Well, because it affects so many things about you, like Mm -hmm. just in your perspective on how you treat other people. So I think that's important. Yeah. You have a lot of things going on. Yep. What are the goals that you, and you've already reached so much success. So one question I always like to ask, because we sit down with people that have made it big time, are on the way to making a big time. Mm-hmm. What goals do you have right now with where you're at? Yeah, I think I think my goals right now are probably heavily more on like the relationship side. Hmm. So my number one goal right now is my my future marriage with Kelsey. You know, 2019 we're gonna start our first year of being married, and heck yeah, dude. Uh, and and although we are planning on not having a family for a few years. Um, I think me and her are the, you know, the foundation of our future family. Yeah. So I think growing that and making that as strong as possible in 2019, I think that's going to be my number one goal. Um, 
outside of that, I know me and Kelsey, we started doing some charity work in the last couple of weeks. And I think we both really, really enjoyed it. And, and also both feel like we could do a lot more. So I think that's something that we're going to focus on a lot in 2019 as well. And then from a career, like uh, career side of things, golf, it would be awesome to compete in my first like actual event, like on an amateur level, just to kind of, you know, get out. Tournament golf is a lot different than just going out with your buddies and playing. So it'd be fun to go out, test my skills, see where I'm at. And, and yeah, I mean, I think that's the biggest thing. I don't really have social media wise. I, th- I think back in the day it was like, Oh, I hope I get a million subscribers. Or I hope I get a million followers and stuff. I don't have that anymore because now I don't really care if my videos get 10,000 views or a million views. It's more about just me sharing stuff that I really love and hopefully impacting people in a positive way. Obviously it'd be awesome to impact a million people in a positive way, but if it's 10,000 people, it's 10,000 people. Yeah. So I think those are like probably my top three goals. Nice. Yeah. And what about three takeaways that you feel like you've learned and benefited from that you would like to share to the audience? Three takeaways. Okay. So number one kind of goes back to what we talked about really early on about your passion. I think following your passion in life is number like the most important thing. When you guys were talking about doing videos for likes and views and stuff, you start doing it for, you basically start doing a job. Yeah. That you don't 100%, like. Yep. Right. So it's like someone going out and doing a job that they make $120,000, but they're miserable at it. I, I, I think it's way important and way smarter of a decision for your life to be happier long term to do something that you love and don't worry about the money. You'll figure it out. Like I made no money for the first two years and survived. You can figure it out. And if you really are passionate about something, you're going to work hard. And you're going to actually be more successful in that than doing something that you're not thinking about all the time. Mm-hmm. So I would say that. I would say the other thing business-wise, like career-wise, life lesson is keep people that you can trust and good people closest to you. There's a lot of people that I've met and talked to where they'll have, whether it be an agent or a manager or a friend or whatever, and as they start getting up the ladder – they feel like I should go to the next level and they leave all these people that helped them when they were nothing or when they were just beginning and they go to the next level. You know, they hire a big agent, you know, or they get a manager from LA or, you know, they get cooler friends, friends that have millions of followers versus their friend that has been with them through thick and thin. Mm -hmm. For me, like, I think you got to keep the people that you trust and the people that were around you and keep you grounded closest to you as possible throughout the whole thing. And then I would say the last thing would be um, relationships are essential. Like Kelsey, having her in my life, it just doesn't make sense to go through life without loving someone that deeply. It just doesn't. Like I I don't know. You meet some people that are like, I don't ever want to get married or I don't ever want to be in a relationship or – and I understand the bachelor life. You know, we I think we were all there at one point where it felt good to be single and just go out and do whatever you want. But there's nothing more rewarding than truly loving someone deeply and having that love back. And I think trying to find that the earliest as you can. Like I wish I would have found Kelsey when I was 20, 21, 22. And so I think you can do stuff in your life to get to that point versus wasting those years, if that makes sense. Preach, dude. You know, Preach. like Love if that. you could have, if you could have met Sean five years before, 
and been in the spot that you were when you met Sean for the first time, like life would have been so much better for those five years. Yeah, just you're saying because because love has that that love Huge has such impact. importance. Yeah, yeah. Huge impact. Yeah. I'm not sure I would have changed anything, but yeah, I get what you're saying. But you, as far I, you, as, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm saying I'm saying there's stuff in your life that you can change to yeah. where you're not going to be the you know, you're you you'll be ready for when the person shows up. Yeah. That's what I meant, you know. Yeah. No, that's great. That's great. There's like gum on the bottom of this chair that I just touched, I think. Sorry, that's kind of gross. It's okay. Uh, Brody, I got to just tell you that your priorities, the way you work, how diligent you are, how disciplined you are, I really admire. So Appreciate it, man. Thanks for sitting down with me. Right back at you, brother. Yeah. Really enjoyed getting to know you, bro. Right back at you, brother. Heck yeah. We'll talk soon. We'll talk soon. Coming to a YouTube channel near you. Bop, bop. If you guys don't follow Brody yet, Check him out. Again, Brody Smith 21 pretty much on all platforms. He does awesome content. It's a lot of fun to watch. Uh, he does get pretty loud, but uh, him and Kelsey do. <laughs> him and Kelsey have a lot of fun, and uh, he's an awesome teacher. So highly encourage you guys to do that. But until next time, see you later. See you guys. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. If you found today's interview valuable, there are a lot of ways you can support it. You can review it on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you happen to listen to it. You can also share it with your friends on social media, blogs, or on your own podcast. And please head over to my website at www.andrewdeast.com for more information and to request your favorite celebrity, entrepreneur, athlete, or anyone else who inspires you. Feel free to connect with me directly on Instagram and Twitter at Andrew D. East. And thank you again. We hope to see you next time on Redirected.